if you think about it, you're only going to have more responsibility moving forward. So it's not like you can say, well, in my 20s, I can spend all my money because in my 30s, I'll be making a lot more. And, and so I'll be able to save more then. I'll worry about it then. Well, what happens if you end up getting married? Well, that's a lot of responsibility. Some of your spending is outside of your control because now there's two of you deciding on where that money is going to go. This is Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp where I help tech professionals in their 20s and 30s balance a great life today without sacrificing their future possibilities. I'm your host, Lucas Caceres, Certified Financial Planner and founder of Level Up Financial Planning, where I help educate, coach, and build strategies with my clients to help them take their financial confidence to the next level. Here's an important compliance disclosure. This podcast is for informational purposes only and are not to be considered recommendations. It is recommended you consult your trusted financial professional before implementing any information obtained from the Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. In this episode of Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, I'm going to cover why does money actually matter. It, and if, if you think about it at all, money just plays such a huge, dramatic role in your life. And it's just everyday decisions that you're constantly making that have an impact on your life. And sure, some of the decisions are pretty small, but those micro decisions, once you add them up and start to create certain behavior, those things can be compounded and, and it really changes your life. You'd think that uh, buying coffee from a Starbucks isn't life-changing, but it is. And and it, not just uh, in how you interact with the people in your day, maybe you're a nicer person because of your Starbucks and, and so that's how it's changing your life, but it's also could potentially be changing it financially uh, as far as what your future possibilities and opportunities are. And I don't want to pick up pick on Starbucks or coffee alone. It's any decision you make. It's really any choice you make is really changing that future opportunity and possibilities. And that's why I think it's very important to just reflect on what is actually valuable to you. And there's, this is still early in my uh, podcast. And I think a lot of the things are still going to be very broad overview, just kind of ways of thinking about uh, your money, thinking about what's important to you. And then we'll start diving a lot more into the nitty gritty. Like this is how a 401k works. Uh, this is how to approach your your debt and, and things like that. So I think initially early on, it'll be a little bit more conceptually and ways of thinking about stuff. And then we'll start narrowing in. And so let's think about all the different ways that money plays a role in your life. So you work for money. So you probably do that about 40 hours a week. That's important. It takes up a lot of your life. And I imagine you may be enjoying what you do, but at the same time, you wouldn't be doing it for free in most situations. If you decide to, to go home and watch TV or Netflix, most of the time those things aren't free. What you're, The device you're watching it on, whether it's on your phone now or your TV, those things are not free. So all these things are financial decisions that you have to make. And there's a wide range, right? There's there's almost always such a wide range in the different choices you can make. You can do... Uh, a Netflix subscription where I don't know, they keep raising my prices there. It's probably like in the 15, $16 range right now. But when I first started getting it, it was like $6 and comparing that to a cable bill where it's like a hundred, $150. Those, those are two very different ends of the spectrum. And then there's still that choice of doing nothing, right? You might be so busy that you don't do any of those and you're just saving a hundred dollars a month that every other American's paying for uh, whether they use it or not. So there's definitely always going to be a wide range and you have to choose individually where you're placing that value and what's going to be the most important for you in that part 
point in your life. And I think it's important too to just constantly be checking back on some of these things because there's always so many things that change in your life where yes, we, we used to be able to watch uh, Netflix a, a lot, then we had children, now we watch it a lot less. And so when, at what point does the use for things that you're paying for just really not make sense anymore where you can just turn them off and just use those funds to do something else. So maybe if we do ever decide to drop Netflix every two or three months, we can go to movies and it's basically the same price uh, of what Netflix would have been for that three month time period. So there's always different ways to think about trade-offs as well. You could go for a walk. That That's essentially free, um, which is nice, but that's you can't always do it if, if it's thunderstorming or hailing on you, uh, you might not be able to go for a walk. So there's, there's, that's a choice not to spend money and it, you're just doing it by doing something else. Uh, where you live, how you furnish your house, what you decide to eat. I think eating is really the biggest weakness. Almost all my clients where we had to do a deep dive into stuff and we start to see really where they can start to change their life dramatically as far as their financial decisions and their financial confidence and control over their financial situation. Eating out tends to be a big one as well as vacations is an important one. But then just, again, understand there's two different ends of the spectrum. You could go camping for a lot cheaper than you can travel to Italy and and stay there for a week or two. So very wide ranges and differences. And it really just depends on what your financial situation is. And and don't forget about the important stuff of saving for emergencies and, and doing the right things that way. Another one too is just kind of the miscellaneous stuff that you buy. If they can't really fit into a category and it goes into a miscellaneous category, it's probably not a need at that point. So that's another area where people tend to hurt themselves is they like getting those Amazon deliveries or they like the uh, thrill of going shopping and kind of picking things out. If you do those things too much, those can definitely become a a burden for your uh, situation. So there's always going to be alternatives, trade-offs, and you have to consider what what is a want and what is a need. And again, it depends on your situation. I really enjoy kind of looking at the whole situation, the whole financial situation before I even start digging in uh, to my client's situation and saying, hey, you should start making changes here or there because sometimes it's not as bad as they think or they're focusing in on things that aren't really going to make a big difference. And so we can start to focus on things that really will shift uh, dramatically what their situation's going to look like. And so that's why it's important to have a good overview. You don't want to make a change just for change sake. And you may just be stressed out. You might not be thinking in the right mind of what actually is reality. And so if you take a step back, actually look at the whole picture, uh, then you can start to see, do you actually need to even adjust anything or are you just freaking out and, and really it's not that big of a deal. So sometimes people are really aggressively saving and, and they spend a little bit of money here and it's not nearly as bad as what they think it is, especially when you compare it to what everyone else is doing. And a lot of times people do get just kind of caught up and busy with life where they don't keep track of stuff. And then, yeah, they are overspending. And so let's figure out what's not adding value and and start to slowly weed those things out. So let's give you a little bit of background on money. Like what is it conceptually anyways? So money has been used for over 3000 years now. And if you think about it before that, like how, how were people, exchanging goods and services and doing things. And and that's exactly what they're doing. They're exchanging goods and services. They weren't exchanging currency. They weren't exchanging money. So they were bartering, which sometimes you can still do now if you go to like a, a thrift 
uh, store or whatever those types of things are where you can kind of go uh, to a market and just kind of haggle with people. That's that's all they had to do before and they didn't have money to haggle with either. So what they were doing is they're exchanging goats, they were exchanging uh, fruits, vegetables, tools, different things like that. And so imagine if you went to work today and instead of a paycheck, they sent you a couple goats. Like how, <laughs> what, were you, what would you do with a goat today to kind of make sure you're able to buy food, pay for your mortgage or rent, whatever it is, pay student loans. Like it's just really a crazy concept to think about before money existed. So I, as you can guess, not very efficient. And those things are all very subject to, to, to value. Like what if, what if you don't like the way goat meat tasted or goat milk tasted like a goat's not as valuable to you or the person you're trying to sell it to if they uh, don't like those particular things. So like you could be trying to trade with someone that they have something of value but what you're trying to give them, they don't value at all. So that's very tricky. And so there's no standard value and it just makes things complex and really hard to navigate kind of those situations. And, and things used to be a lot simpler back then too, I admit. So what money does is it does create a standard acceptance and a value where if you have a $100 bill, someone can look and say, yep, that's a $100 bill. Or now with debit cards and credit cards, the, the computers kind of exchange that information. Like, yep, this is $100 that we're going to transfer. And so all that gets validated. So it's a standard amount. Everyone recognizes it as being the real deal. There's no like, I don't really value $100 to be $100. That's not really a concern anymore. Another great feature of money, one that I'm very fond of, is that it can be stored now. Uh, so if you have money, instead of storing goats, which uh, you'd either be eliminated in kind of the ability to kind of wrangle those in an individual area, but then you also have to upkeep them and it just, it gets to be pretty crazy to, to store them and, and make sure that they uh, stay good long-term. Uh, with money, it's a lot easier to do, especially in, by putting it into banks and investments and things like that. And so it does allow you to make larger purchases by saving up in larger investments and things like that. So you can really start now to not have to worry about money, start to build it up so where it can be used for an emergency or long-term investments. And I see that as just really foundational in being able to build wealth before. The only way you could build wealth in the past was truly by acquiring land and then like charging people uh, to be on your land. Uh, now you can save up your money, you get paid for your skills and services, and now you can start to save that up and, and build wealth and invest in other things that will work on your behalf. So it's, it's really interesting because money is really just really that concept of being able to agree that something's worth something and being able to exchange it widely and universally. Uh, my first money memory actually isn't about money at all. It actually dates back to when I was in fifth grade. We had a cool teacher and she would actually give us different points based on the grades we'd get in class. And I've always been a pretty high performer, especially in fifth grade before I got distracted by uh, other things. Um, so I was constantly getting a lot of points, a lot of rewards as far as how they were building up and tracking. And then what she would do, she'd raffle off different goodies and prizes, whether it be candy, pencils, toys, like things like that. Beanie Babies were big when I was in fifth grade. So all those things. And so what happened is every time that the opportunity came to do those and you could use them for cool stuff too, like getting out of tests or getting out of assignments, doing fun stuff. And so 
those are where I valued, like I valued get out of those stuff because I thought it was cooler where everyone else was spending their money on the Beanie Babies, on the, the pencil erasers and things like that. I would just let my points store up, store up, store up. And all these things were being flashed around that weren't important to me. I didn't find value in them, but everyone else is kind of flocking to them. I'm like, oh, look at my cool uh, eraser and or cool Beanie Baby. And I was like, yeah, that, like those things are cool, but they're just not cool enough for me to, to use my uh, resources that I got here in my rewards and points. And so when those times would come up um, where I was able to, to get out of a test, like that was a lot better, saved me a lot of stress, uh, saved me a lot of time for studying. And so those were the things I would value. And and I was really the only one that was ever able to do that because everyone else was spending their uh, points that they would earn. So that's my first money memory. It's It's one of the questions I actually ask my clients pretty often of, like what's their first memory of how things work money wise. And, and a lot of times they think about uh, either their first job or uh, maybe you're thinking right now of your first, first memory from what you remember your parents doing, whether they uh, went on a trip or, uh, or did something fun like that too. So there's, everyone has their own unique money memory. And so that's why I enjoy asking that question. So how do you approach money? How should you approach money? And what happens is you do start to create these habits. And if we want to tie this into some type of technically, some tech related uh, comparison, I would say it's kind of like a code. So you tell your money to do things for you. And that's kind of the code that you enter in. And basically your behaviors start to become a pattern or an algorithm that creates shortcuts that allow you to just not have to think about things as much. That's why people that are actually really good with money, they didn't start out being really good with money. They just kind of started building good habits early on. And now they don't have to think about it. They do a lot of the same stuff that they did early on that was really hard for them. It's just now it's not hard because they created these new algorithm shortcuts in their behavior. And it's just automatic now. Good behaviors or mostly good behaviors are going to be the algorithms you're going to want to create. So obviously you don't want to just save all your money because you could be missing out on life opportunities there. What I really enjoy helping my clients understand is really that fine line of straddling both living the best life now and then also keeping your door open for opportunities and, and building your wealth up over time to, to give you different opportunities and possibilities that you may have not even thought of yet. It's important to start creating those good behaviors because then it gives you those options available. A destructive behavior or behavior that can cause dramatic mistakes, that would be, if, if I had to tie it to something, I'd consider it similar to using like a new self-driving car that has a faulty algorithm. So like the, the coding's bad, the algorithm's bad, like it's not going to be safe for you or the, the quality of your life and, and the possibilities of the future. So, and, and that's because you're repeating, that the algorithm's repeating some bad mistakes or uh, you take a, three steps forward, but then the algorithm sets you five steps backwards because of whatever issue it happens to be. Uh, maybe you you go a little bit too crazy when you go on vacations, or maybe you save really well, but you don't plan for unexpected expenses. And so when those things come up, you weren't saving enough for that. Um, and so those are very destructive things to that could occur that really impact your long-term uh, ability to create wealth and, and create possibilities good algorithms that you can start to create for your financial life. And these really could just be considered like sneak peeks into future potential topics and episodes, but saving first. And so 
if you're thinking about how that coding would work, you'd be telling your money to hang tight, be ready for further orders, and it could be further orders to protect against an emergency, or it could be for further orders to maybe an investment opportunity. So maybe there's there's a cool opportunity that came up, and now you're gonna now that you have the cash, the savings, you're gonna be able to jump on an opportunity. Participating in your 401k, so that's definitely more of a, a long term. Uh, type relationship. So maybe you're telling your money that you really want it to, to work for you and you don't, you're not going to be relying it, on it in the short term. So this, when you're talking about 401ks, retirement accounts, you're really thinking long term, especially when you're going to be investing your money in any capacity. Um, if there's any degree of risk, you really want it to be a long-term investment so that you're able to have the best opportunity to ride out that risk and, and reap the rewards of uh, that opportunity. Avoiding high interest debt would be just another important thing to consider because if you think about it, if you have debt, it's basically that you have an IOU out there for someone or for a company. And so you don't want too many of these floating around out there because the higher the interest, the more it impacts your ability to build wealth. You're, you're paying someone else a lot of money for decisions that you've made in the past. And it's just not, it reduces a lot of flexibility and flexibility is really big for me personally when I'm navigating my financial situation, uh, but as well as approaching uh, my client's financial strategies. I, I don't ever want people to get locked in to certain things that are very long-term and it's really hard to undo unless they kind of do all their due diligence and they really decide like, yep, it's, it's worth this kind of uh, long-term inflexibility by making that uh, decision. So Avoiding high interest debt is going to be huge in just allowing you to keep more of your money and allowing you to use more of your money for things that you actually enjoy rather than uh, financing it or paying for something that you made a decision of long ago. And a lot of times that comes back to, to student loans and credit cards are really the, the big components there. Credit cards by far the biggest, but even student loans, sometimes people, maybe if you're listening to this and you have student loans that are not even for your tech career that you're in now, and you're just kind of kicking yourself like, ah, oh, I just pay all this interest on student loan debt that didn't even apply to what I'm doing now. And that's very common. And with credit cards, you only remember what you spent probably 90% of where that credit card debt went. So paying for those old, old decisions is definitely a big burden and, and something that you should avoid doing if at all possible. You can start looking for sales. So there's a huge correlation in your frugality. And actually with my clients, we take uh, an assessment to navigate what their wealth potential is, as well as their financial confidence. And one of those big factors is their frugality. And it's not necessarily just meaning that they're cheap. It just means that they're not in a rush to spend money. It means that they're more open to the opportunity that, yep, this this looks cool. I want this thing, but let me see if I do a quick search, if there's a sale for it, or maybe it's not a hot pressing item. So Right now, it is May 27, 2019. Christmas is coming up, although there's some cool stuff that I may want for Christmas. If it's not on sale right now, why would I rush to to make a purchase now when there's all these months between now and then where it could potentially go on sale and I could save $10, $20 uh, just by waiting a little bit longer. So that's kind of how that frugality works. It's not meaning that you're the cheapest of cheap. It just means that you're not in a rush to spend money and you're going to think very diligently about those decisions. And sometimes that's fun. Some people, once they get to that point, they actually enjoy that slow decision-making process, um, that research sometimes that you have to do. I know 
I bought uh, the Hue lights back when they were still early. I think I think it was the second generation of the Hue lights when they came out. Uh, I ended up purchasing the first one just because there was a huge sale, um, part of that frugality in me. But basically what I did is it took me three or four months to <clears throat> pull the trigger on actually purchasing those. And so I was researching, there's starting to be other other choices out there on the smart internet of things, lighting options. And so I was going back and forth. And then I knew that that new second generation came out. So comparing that to the first generation with that huge discount. And so that was a lot of fun for me. Sometimes you'll find that if you allow yourself the ability to kind of go on that hunt and, and be patient and wait those things out, that purchase ends up being more meaningful, but then you also have more fun while doing it. And it's not like I needed that light. And it's not like we were living in the dark. And so that's one of the reasons why I was able to constantly push it off, push it off, uh, push it off. And then there was a huge sale. And so it just made sense and lined up for uh, that decision. Another one to be thinking of is just your awareness and of your tendencies and the influence of others on your behavior. So I don't know if this uh, relates to you specifically, but I know just looking at my wife, her sister, her family, a lot of times when they make certain uh, purchases or decisions, all of a sudden it becomes top a topic of mind of, oh, maybe we should think about getting something like this. Sometimes they get the same things. Sometimes it's a slightly different, but almost always there's a conversation of, oh, did you see this? And then, and then we start researching stuff or they start researching stuff about what the other one purchased and they start asking questions. And so it kind of starts to build up a, a little bit of hype. And so having that awareness of when when people around you are doing certain things, it could be a coworker, it could be family or friends. If they're uh, starting to have babies and you're starting to think about having babies or they're buying a house and so you're starting to, to research that, just be aware of it. And it's not to say that you should change your behavior or do anything. But just being mindful and aware of it will allow you to understand like why you are making some of the decisions, why all of a sudden you, this wasn't even on your mind and, and now it is pretty heavily. And this goes as well for maybe even just your spouse or partner. So maybe maybe it doesn't happen to you or maybe it's too hard for you to be aware of your own situation, which I think is ultimately needed in order to uh, properly navigate your finances. But maybe it's a lot easier initially to see it in other people and then you're able to start kind of thinking back and reflecting on like, ah, oh, well, how do I kind of do similar things? So seeing how those different things are going to impact you are definitely huge. And one way of doing that, and I kind of mentioned it with my process of purchasing those Hue smart lights, was just slowing down the process. So it's exciting, obviously, to see something and then buy something and then have it ship show up your, the next day. But if you slow it down, uh, you may start to see some of these things are not can be used anyways once you get it. So that helps you avoid making a bad purchasing decisions, things that you're not actually going to use or value could possibly increase enjoyment. So that's uh, something that I find uh, in my process, but not everyone's like me, obviously, and that m may not be the case for you. Why do you handle money a certain way? So thinking about why, why you do stuff financially. And sometimes it may stem back from how you were raised or some of the, the different things that happened uh, throughout your life that really changed the way you think about money. So those are some of the questions, again, that I go back and ask my questions uh, to my clients when we're talking through things. Like, why, why do you handle money this way? What's your first money memory? Like, how did your parents handle money? Like, these types of things 
impact you, even if you don't think about them or are aware of them, it is good to start now, now that you're trying to be more intentional about understanding your financial situations, first understand you, how, how do you work and how do you work around money? And then we could start to go back and change. And that's why I have this more of an overview for my first episode ever. What do you enjoy spending money on? So there's always the enjoyment of just spending money, except for like things like medical bills, which we have from our daughter who was just born four months ago. Yeah, doctor bills are not fun paying. Mortgages are not fun paying. Student loans, definitely not fun paying. So I'm sure if any of you guys have any of those situations, those are not the, the fun expenses at all. But even just, I can just go online and buy something randomly and it would still have a little bit of enjoyment, even if it's, uh, not something that I think I'm going to use long term, but if you start to focus in on not just that process of spending money then, but actually what you're going to enjoy and actually look back on it and be like, oh, that was a great decision and I like best best money I ever spent. The only times you start to have those uh, thinking is if you really do start to think about what you do enjoy spending money on. I know a lot of times uh, vacations is a very popular one. Well, what about those vacations though? Because again, there's that wide range. So is it the things that make it super expensive that you enjoy? Or is it the fact that you're with your family, uh, the thing that you enjoy the most? And so we can weed out some of those things and you still get the same benefit or 95% of the benefit for 50% of the cost. So having these internal conversations with yourself and, and Ultimately, if you do have a significant other, you do want to have that money conversation with them. Uh, but understanding your own personal thoughts about money and how money impacts you and how you think about money is all going to be super important into just kind of navigating your financial life and then having those very productive conversations with your spouse once you kind of take it to that next level. Looking into the future is also a huge way to kind of build in that algorithm. So not just be thinking about today, next week, or next month. That's not far enough in the future at all. So thinking about what you want your future to look like and what's important to you is really going to help you implement some of these behavior changes. So if we get down to it or you get down to it and you decide that, um, you know what, I really am not making the best moves financially. I'm not doing the things I should be doing. Like, I really, I really wish I could be better. I really wish I could do more or understand stuff so that I make the right decisions. It's not enough to wish and hope. It's enough to get motivated. And actually, uh, the way you're going to do that is by tying it to things that matter to you. So think about your family. Think about what you want your future to look like. And not just in broad strokes. Think about it in as much detail as possible. What, what are you doing five years from now? Um, that would really make you happy. Where where are you at family-wise, work-wise, maybe location-wise, if, if that's something that's important for you to change. So how are you going to get to where you want to go three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if you don't make any changes now? So thinking about those cool opportunities, those cool future possibilities that you really want to open the doors to is going to be a huge motivational factor into influencing your ability to make any changes over uh, between now and then so that you start to make those more of a reality. So get excited about your future. That will definitely help. Not only is money needed in the short term, but the possibilities and opportunities in the future that will also require money are way more than what they are short term. So there's a thing called inflation. And if, <laughs> if you're not aware of inflation, inflation increases at about 3% a year annually. And so that's kind of the average it varies from year to year. But what happens is if that does hold true, 
the cost of everything or not everything, but almost everything could double in just 24 years. So think about that. Uh, if you went in to the grocery store and brought, bought groceries today and it came to $150, well, 24 years from now, when you go to the grocery store, it's going to be $300 to get the very same items that you purchased today. So that's one reason why you do want to not have that short-term view of your money. And I know a really common question, and this is actually, like I said, one of the reasons why I started my podcast is to balance your life decisions today, still have an awesome life today, but not sacrifice the future opportunities. A common question I get all the time is how I want to live my best life and like, what am I sacrificing by not spending all my money today? So that's, that's a common question. And it makes sense. And especially with how we're wired to think, we're wired to think about short term and today and just kind of maximizing your lifestyle. And there's, the, there's only a few times when there's something wrong with it is if you're not doing some of the other stuff first, like saving, saving is very important. Investing for long-term investing is really going to be the only thing that's going to help offset some of that inflation damage that's going to occur. And then also thinking out for some of my listeners way into the future, maybe 40 years from now. Uh, but for some of you, maybe less, maybe 10 years, or maybe you want to reach early retirement it's, it's possible. You have to do a lot of crazy things in order to make early retirement possible. But what happens is once you retire, whenever that occurs for you, it's, it's a long retirement. So even if you wait until 65, you could potentially live, especially if you have a spouse, one of you could live another 40 years in retirement. And so you need money to last when your income's not coming in and social security is out there. I don't know how relevant it's going to be for a lot of my listeners, um, but you'll probably still get something. But if you're used to working in the tech uh, industry and you're used to being paid X amount of dollars, social security isn't going to come nowhere closer, even if it is intact. And so you want to make sure that your lifestyle is, is not going to be capped at some point in the future because of you just going a little bit too crazy. And I believe there is a way to walk that fine line and, and really enjoy your life now and, and just actually enjoy it more too by, by making these more intentional decisions and living the life the way that you want to live it because you'll still be able to do probably everything that you want to do. It's just a matter of saying, you know what, I'm going to be the disciplined to wait and save and, and do the responsible thing for my family, uh, do the responsible thing for for yourself and your career so that you're not stressed out and not enjoying life because you're constantly stressed about the financial situation at home. So all these things are important. So making poor financial decisions and, and really limiting your possibilities and opportunities in the future greatly increases your stress later on in life. So you're probably increasing your stress now too, and you're just not really acknowledging that you're probably in denial that you're stressed out about your finances. And sometimes that's why people spend all their money is because they, they have a very uh, weird thought process on money where it's, it's just going to get spent anyways. If, if I save it, an emergency is going to come up and wipe it out and I'll just be starting all over. So yeah, a lot of times you can get stuck in really negative ways of thinking about money and just thinking that you're never going to get ahead. So you might as well spend it all. That's, that's not a good thing. And if you're listening to this, that's, that's not how money works. Do you, uh, the people that are wealthy, a lot of the people that are wealthy are kind of first generational wealthy. And it's because they understood early on to do the right things. They could really empower themselves and put themselves in the position where money really helps leverage their life and, and live in a way that other people are not able to without the stress. 
And it's just by prioritizing stuff and, and being more strategic about how they handle their money. So having less wiggle room is really going to force you to make mistakes in the future. And, and if you think about it, you're only going to have more responsibility moving forward. So it's not like you can say, well, in my 20s, I can spend all my money because in my 30s, I'll be making a lot more. And, and so I'll be able to save more then. I'll worry about it then. Well, what happens if you end up getting married? Well, that's a lot of responsibility. Some of your spending is outside of your control because now there's two of you deciding on where that money is going to go. What happens if there's a third person that shows up? Usually they come in a small package and they show up in a hospital. And so those things drastically change your responsibilities, drastically change your financial situation and, and kind of where your financial obligations are going. So you don't have time. If you waste your 20s, and then you're spending your 30s just kind of making sure that everyone's happy uh, in your family. A lot of times people don't get in until their 40s and 50s and by then it's too late um, or they had to really cut things out and, and make dramatic, dramatic uh, shifts in their lifestyle, which is not easy to do after 20, 30 years of a certain lifestyle to dramatically change all that. So that's why it's important to get started early. There's just so many things that happen. And and thinking about the future too, like you don't always know what's important to you. I did not know I was going to start level up financial planning even. So I've been open a year and a half now, but three, four years ago, <laughs> it was a possibility, I would say, just because I, I was always frustrated that I could only work with people that had $500,000 or more. And I felt like I could add more value uh, by helping people earlier on in their careers. But other than that, that kind of disappointment and kind of a frustration with the financial services industry, kind of ignoring those uh, people in their 20s and 30s. It, it's very comfortable being an employee. So I, I didn't think it was going to happen, but it, it became a huge goal, a huge priority of uh, mine and then ultimately my wife's. And, and now we're really enjoying kind of the, the life and opportunity that we set up. But I wouldn't have been able to do any of that if I wasn't making some strong financial decisions earlier on. And it's not to say that we made perfect financial decisions, but we definitely put ourselves in position to allow me to basically walk away from a six-figure income and and show up um, making no money at all, just telling people like, hey, here's a new concept I'm uh, trying to do. I'm, I'm helping people that don't have any money figure out how to handle their money and then really get on the path to success. Uh, and so it's been a very fun and enjoyable experience, but it's one I wouldn't have had if I wouldn't have made some of those stronger moves in my 20s to be able to do that. So you don't know what your future self is going to want or your future spouse is going to want or your future child's going to want. There's a lot of impacts financially depending on the decisions that you make. And so it's very important to just uh, be aware that you don't know everything today. You don't know everything that's important to you today. So doing the right moves now just creates greater flexibility, greater opportunity for you in the future to actually pursue things that you haven't even dreamt of yet. So before we close out the show, I do want to give you a fantastic kind of quick calculation that you can do. And it's called the rule of 72. And it's pretty amazing. It allows you to quickly calculate the time that you could expect it to take your investment to double. And the reason why it's so quick and easy is you just take that number 72 and divide it by the expected investment return that you would expect. And I always uh, say lean on the side of conservative. Um, so don't, don't 
think that you're going to get an ultra high return, like a 20% return or even a 10% return, maybe a little bit high for kind of current market conditions. But if you use a number like a 7%, depending, that, that may be a reliable number to use or you might want to kind of dial that down even lower. But if you were using a 7% expected return, divided 72 by 7 would give you 10.2 years or so before your money would double from that investment. And that doesn't even include putting additional funds into it like you are uh, with your 401k if you have one of those where you're saving even more. So uh, you're only going to be that much better off. That's one way that you can combat that inflation is by having investments that give you the opportunity to earn more than the 3% inflation rate. And again, you do want to have a long-term approach when you're thinking about your investments uh, from that aspect. So hopefully all this information was helpful. I know we covered a lot of things about money. Hopefully you found some of it interesting and, and new information for you. But this is definitely more of an intro to personal finance. Introduce you to a lot of personal finance concepts and pretty similar to like a boot camp or any type of education that you get anywhere else. This is really just kind of ground zero. You're just starting now to build that foundation. And so obviously this isn't giving you all the answers. This isn't uh, instant uh, success. You listen to one episode and you are automatically know everything. That's, that's impossible. And one of the things I enjoy about working with the tech community is you do tend to be really invested in growth. And so just kind of come back weekly to this uh, with that growth me mentality and uh, planning on to gain a little bit of knowledge every single episode. And I will be doing the same. I'll be constantly trying to improve and uh, implement any changes that you recommend as you reach out to me. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. And obviously, there's still a lot to cover, a lot to be discovered and built upon. And so feel free to continue doing the research uh, on your own or just kind of stick with me and we'll continue on the, the Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp to provide you information that's very relevant to where you're at in your career. And also, we're going to be having a special guests that will give you insight to different career stories and, and backgrounds and different kind of financial aspects of their life and story as well. So hopefully you found this first episode enjoyable. Thank you for listening to Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. I invite you to reach out, review, let me know what you want to hear more of. Uh, if there's things you don't like, definitely reach out. Let me know. I want to make this that the best uh, resource it can be for you. And I just like you starting your kind of financial education and getting that foundation for you. That's essentially what I'm doing with that, the podcast. Obviously, I'm very well versed on the, the financial aspect, so that's not that much of a concern, but uh, trying to build it in a way that's next with you and, and is really meaningful for you uh, to the point actually where you'll start sharing it with other people that you think would find value. That's really where I want to get this show. So any way you think I can improve any specific questions, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm going to be happy to incorporate that into future episodes and everything I do, whether it's in my business or any of the additional content I produce is really just to help people take their financial confidence to the next level and just really improve and just live a better quality of life. So catch you next time on Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp.